you got to find a way to describe what it is about reentry that you have to plan at all and why would the crew have to be trained, but to do it in some way that is understandable to folks who don't have an aerospace engineering background. And then as part of that, start weaving in the people you were dealing with. And in, in, in that case, it was NASA folks that I was interacting with. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author and former lead NASA engineer Jack Clemens. His new book is titled Safely to Earth, The Men and Women Who Brought the Astronauts Home and was published by University of Florida Press. In this memoir, he offers his readers a behind-the-scenes view of the Apollo and space shuttle programs during their prime years. So welcome to the podcast, Jack. Thank you, Stephanie. I think what you've got here is so interesting. Um, this sort of behind-the-scenes look. I mean, the the programs are so iconic to, you know, what is, you know, American. And to think that, you know, you were right there for all of it. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about how you sort of came came to that? I was a science fiction fan when I was a kid. And not so much interested in engineering. I did okay with math and science, but... But really, I, I, when I went to the University of Florida at one point, when I started there, I thought, I'm going to be a writer, thinking somehow I could make a living off that, I guess. But I was there when John F. Kennedy said, we choose to go to the moon, and it just electrified me. It was like all those science fiction books I've been reading now were going to happen, and I could, make, I could be part of it. So I changed my, uh, my studies to engineering. I got a degree in aerospace engineering, a master's of aerospace engineering, and was fortunate enough to graduate and get into the mix of things uh, while that stuff was still going on. So I ended up uh, I ended up working at the Johnson Space Center, and they had a contract to support the NASA team in preparing for uh, a flight, in training the astronauts, and in then being around to help during the mission itself. Uh, that was NASA's role, and they needed extra arms and legs. And TRW had the contract to do um, to do just that for all phases of the Apollo mission. And, and go ahead. And, and and my particular background was high speed aerodynamics, which means you know uh, enemy missiles coming at you through through the atmosphere, or asteroids coming at you through the atmosphere, or the Apollo spacecraft coming at you through the atmosphere. So I had all the reentry stuff. That was my background. It's beyond cutting edge at this point. You're just literally kind of making it up as you go yep. along. Yep, we were. It's uh, it's hard. I, I run into the questions a lot about, you know, did you guys really go? Was it faked? And, you know, how could you have done that with that technology? And, you know, you had slide rules and such. But but the fact is we had the most advanced technology available at the time. It wasn't like we were sitting around waiting for a new computer to be developed. <laughs> right. And there were 400,000 people that worked on supporting those uh, missions. So there was a lot of folks out there with a lot of intellectual capability working on it. Um, but, yeah, we were, we were using the most advanced technology. And NASA had special computers that from IBM that they were running in the Space Center that would both oh, – uh, help during a mission to do predictions of things like the reentry and how long it would take, but also allowed us to get access to them when it, the flights weren't on to do some calculations and figure out things. And yeah, so it was. It was and but we also knew um, that we were working on something unique. 
Mm. For the first time in human history, people were going to be on the moon, and we were going to be part of that. It was pretty cool. These two worlds are kind of colliding. Like, you know, the you know, you just go to work and you're just working with astronauts. But as a kid, you know, you know that that whole science fiction genre and the imagination that it would take to to do that, and then all of a sudden now the imagination it takes to put people on the moon and to bring them home. We just don't want to put them up there, right? We got to bring them back. Yeah, bring them back was a big part of this. The most important (laughs) part. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we wouldn't have made Kennedy's uh, challenge if we didn't bring them back (laughs) safely to Earth at the end of all this. Yeah, it was was eerie because really, I mean, through high school, um, you know, reading especially hard science fiction uh, novels, there was this concept of, you know, sort of the blue-collar space person up there working like Elton John's Rocket Man, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> working in, in space and doing this, and, and it was all fantasy. I'm helping to train astronauts get ready to go f- to the moon. It was surreal, absolutely surreal, as it was going on, that it would happen this fast. I, I want to talk a little bit about your decision to write the book, because um, Stephanie and I are both nonfiction writers as mm-hmm. well, and there is this kind of terrible responsibility to do justice and that i always feel like uh when when i'm writing something about a you know a living person like right. you know that they're going to see it and you want to be truthful and you also you also want to get to the meat of the matter right. and uh, so when you when you approach a, a a work like this like how does that weigh on you and how do you deal with that well it weighs quite a bit uh in the process of putting this together, I reached out to as many of my colleagues as I could who I'd work with, both on Apollo, and there are fewer of those, and on Space Shuttle. Uh, and, and by the way, that, that was a continuum for me. Uh, I worked on, a, on the Apollo program. Then the company TRW lost a contract. IBM had just won the contract to build the software for the onboard software for Space Shuttle. And I and a bunch of other engineers moved literally down the street. So we were working from <laughs> uh, from Apollo shuttle without you know even changing parking spaces, and the beauty of both, uh, say, um, uh, Facebook, but also as it happens, one of my colleagues back in those days has taken upon himself to get to connect with everybody, and let them know when one of our teammates has died, and uh. so that list is that he's connected with is pretty long, and so at one point I just sent out a note that says I've got something more positive at the moment <laughs> i'm writing this book would you guys connect with me and i got back in touch with a lot of the people who are in this uh, right. uh included in this book because of that both nasa folks and the contractor people like me myself well i think that's one of the things that happens when you write nonfiction is you end up with a tremendous amount of raw material yep. you know you do all these interviews right. and you have all these stories but not everything gets to make it into the book or you have right. to then start selecting, well, what is the theme of the book? So I know which stories to pull in right. and, and push and pull. So can you talk a little bit about how you kind of approached? It started early. I So I was very anal retentive all, all my life. Maybe in that world you had to be planning something like a space program. I'm sorry, program. in the engineering world? Is yeah. that what you're suggesting? <laughs> well, and it's something like people, like something like this, you know, it's yeah. going to the moon You've got to think through, well, what are all the things that could happen? However improbable, what are the consequences? And if the consequences are big, it's like we got to do something about it. So you stay up at night thinking about that stuff. Mm. So I kept, I have kept all of my notes from those days, partly because that's who I am mm. and partly because we were working on that program and it seemed... Historic, dying. yeah. Right. I have, I wrote some science fiction stories that were, that were published and that attra- in turn attracted a, uh, an agent in New York to contact me about writing a novel, 
this is now about 25, 30 years ago, I guess. And I said, well, I don't have one. He said, well, write one. And he's been my agent ever since. And it's been a very uh, nice relationship, but not very productive. All his life. <laughs> and I've given him two or three novels uh, and he's tried to sell them and hasn't you know, and so on. But all along he was saying, and we got to know each other pretty well. Uh, why don't you write about the program? Why don't you write about Apollo and shuttle and all that stuff? And it's like, well, I'm really not that interested yet. So that was kind of the seed of it. About five or six years ago, um, one of the magazine's amazing stories had an online presence, and they were they wanted somebody to write a science column. And I said I would do that every couple of weeks and started realizing that r I was running out of things to talk about. So I started pulling out my notes and blogging every other week. So I did that for a stretch. At some point, I had enough of those where I went back to my agent and said, hey, you know, I think it's time. He said, well, send me the manuscript. Okay, so I put it all together and sent it to him. And it's like, oh, this is pretty good. A little short. And I said, like, how short? He said, double it. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as a measure of our relationship, he said, didn't you work on Skylab? And I said, I don't think so. He said, yeah, I think you told me you did. Go dig <coughs> into that. So I dug back in again and doubled the length, which is what this is. What the book is now, and uh, he started sending it out, and then he started going to the university press system, and then he said, "Oh, I've got somebody who's interested. There's this uh, woman that works for University Press of Florida, and she became my editor, and that that relationship was breathtaking to me." Yeah, we were talking a little bit of before the show, and you said that you know she really found ways to to tighten and, and right. pull the work forward for right. you. It started off being about anecdotes about me and how I got my job and what I did to kind of put you in the place of what it was like to be right. a young engineer in that world. And then I started mixing in the folks and realized those were a lot of interesting stories. And so she and I started focusing on, okay, let's bring them more to the forefront and let's, let's, let's feature them. That's when I started reaching out to them and say, hey, you got some more to tell me? What we ended up doing is like the section in the back now is called questions I'm often asked about the space program. And there's about eight or 10 or 11 of those to include, did we, what, did we fake it? Right. You know, all this <laughs> stuff. But that... I would love, did we <laughs> fake it? Yes, period. <laughs> yeah, next, next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, next question, right. But so that section in the back, when it's got, it, it got reviewed by Kirkus, it got by, reviewed by uh, Publishers Weekly, they loved that section, loved it. So this moves very quickly. It tells all these stories. It's interesting. Then in the back is this fascinating area. That's a where, great solution. Yeah, and I yeah. and I'm I was telling her she uh, she's the one that really got you know should get the credit for that because she's the one that came up with that structure. But that's what I mean. She didn't change any words. She didn't. She'd give me advice. She'd edit it as a senior editor would. She didn't walk in and say, okay, change these words to this and this. It was the next higher level. But it mm -hmm. was very profound. And, you're listening to So What's Your Story, and this week we are speaking with author Jack Clemens. Remember that you can listen to this show and all of our other shows on SoWhatYourStoryPodcast.com. You can also subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have an Android phone, you can actually just type in So What's Your Story Podcast, and you can listen to it right there. Yeah, Tony always extols the, vir the virtue of a good editor. He's right. <laughs> well. We, we were talking about the stories that you that you have to leave out. And what's tough is because a lot of them, you know, end up at a crossroads. And you're like, right. I would love this is too. This is a cool, cool story, but it doesn't fit. It doesn't and matter. it's just that's a that's a good solution to, to move it to yeah. uh, to, to an appendix. kind. Well, of. and the and, and, and in fact, 
to call it what, what, what we ended up calling it, which is questions I'm often asked about the program. And it turns out that opened up that whole appendix because there are a lot of que- I get questions constantly when I'm talking about the Apollo program. And so it gave me a place to put that kind of stuff. It was, does, what about the Challenger accident? Should, did, did anybody have to die? All that sort of stuff is back there now. It's still in the first person. It's still in my voice. But it's now pulled away from this this flow of what it was like to work on those programs and how we experienced it, and the and the and the stories about the people who I interacted with, both NASA folks and the uh, contractor teams. But I think that's one of the interesting things about the way that you've maybe approached this book is that when people think NASA, they think Apollo, they think space shuttle. The first thing that comes to mind, I think, is the science, the math, you know, mission right. control. But really, it's people. Right. It was it's people at the heart of it, both in the space shuttle, on the ground, writing the code, the right. error free code, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that sometimes we get sometimes that can be because there were so many people that end up being sort of moving parts in that right. that I think maybe gets a little lost. But I think that's interesting. What you've done is kind of taken the humanity component, the human component of these incredible programs and, and are kind of bringing them forward for us. Yeah, that was that was that was the idea. Even when I was blogging, I was recognizing I was talking to people who weren't there, but would be interested in what it was like to do that job. So in my particular case during reentry planning, is you you got to find a way to describe what it is about reentry that you have to plan at all, and why would the world with the crew have to be trained, but to do it in some way. That is that is understandable to folks who don't have an aerospace engineering background, and then as part of that, start weaving in the people you were dealing with. In 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 that case, uh, in two or three occasions, it was NASA folks that I was interacting with who were putting me in my place when I, <laughs> when, I when I thought I was really kind of cool about it, what I was trying to tell them what to do. When you write a book like this, the people who are going to read it are brighter. Right, so you also don't want to dumb it down too much. You right. don't want to insult anybody. Right. Now, I did, did just occur to me when you were telling that story. Like, there are some things that you assume that the kind of person who picks up this book is right. going to have a sense of. Right. So let me give you let me give you one quick example. So one one of the things that people are surprised about is that you could fly the, that the astronauts had to fly the command module as it was coming back into the atmosphere, and get it over near to the landing spots. I mean, the first reaction is what? I mean, what do you, the thing looks like a big Hershey's it's a kiss, rock. Hershey's <laughs> kiss, right? Right, like an asteroid, right? And it's coming roaring in, and it's heating up, and then it's going to splash down. What's to fly? Well, you come in at different speed. If you come in like on Apollo 13, they came back at a different time than they were planning to come back. Earth's in a different place. The reentry point's a different place, and the and the ships are really in a different place. You got to get them from where they are to that ship, and it turns out you can fly the command module. It doesn't look like it, but you can. It was that that Hershey's Kiss shape. Right. The big fat end was the one that was coming in head first. Um, the, the the weight was distributed in it in such a way that it was at a slightly at an angle when it came. It didn't come in flat. It came in slightly at an angle. There were a set of rockets. There was no, no propulsion system on the command module back and forth. I mean, it came in. It was like a glider. It was going to either splash down on the water or splash somebody else. But there were propulsion systems laterally that could rotate it. Um, because if you don't do that, you're going to land out in the ocean a long, long way from things, and you've got maybe 50 hours of battery power on the command module, so it'd be a, a long, very bad day if you <laughs> didn't come in close to the ship. Now, um, you had mentioned the Challenger. When you when you take up to write about a subject like that, that's got to also be a little bit. You want that's something you want to handle gingerly, right. but again, also honestly. 
uh, I did one heck of a lot of research on all of this stuff. And then I did a lot of self-editing in terms of uh, just because of my, I had a writing background, I was more, I was more comfortable going back and doing a certain amount of editing. Editing, But I also had some colleagues. I have a close friend who's an astronaut and flew a, a couple of sp space shuttle flights. In fact, he's featured in the book. And I have another friend who was one of the main flight controllers for Apollo. And so I sent it to them huh. and said, tell me, just tell me, take me through this. Uh, in addition, the publisher sends out um, fact-checking yeah. editions. And sends it out to people uh, and asks them, if, uh, you know, take a look at this. What do you come up with? And that resulted in some changes. I mean, there were things I just got wrong. And there were things that, I, surprisingly, I got right and the fact changer got wrong. It was really interesting. Um, but, but, yeah, you go through all of that. But then ultimately, you keep it down to, in the case of Challenger in Columbia, for example, where... Um, I conclude that nobody had to die on either one of those. That was really human error in spite of the problems that occurred. I cite a lot of sources on that. Yeah. Uh, the, and they're all in there, right? And I have, um, I, I make sure that the astronauts are, are quoted on this stuff. So then something like that where it's, it's, it may be a surprise to readers, but it's not a surprise to anybody who's done the, the homework. There is that responsibility, but also there were places where I was unsure and I just didn't elaborate. There were a couple of places where I could have given more information about somebody. It's like, I really haven't checked with them on this one. And again, does it serve the story? Yeah. 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 Well, or do you want it to be about that person protesting? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think one of the things that we usually talk about too is like, you know, the publishing process and, mm -hmm. you know, you've worked with this editor in at the University of Press, University University Press, Press, Press of Florida. Florida. There right you now, go. Right. And, um, you know, could you she's talk in Gainesville, by the way. So oh, still Gainesville. go Gators. <laughs> yeah. Go, go Gators. Um, could you talk a little bit about how the publishing experience was? Yes. for you? Um, so I so I signed the contract in December 2016. From then until last September, this past September, we've been working on it. There'll either be a spring release or a fall release. Uh, she wanted to make it the fall of 2018, which is just passed, because next year is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing, and so she wanted to have it available for that. But that process probably took um, most of a year, I'm going to say. And that included the fact-finding, sending it out, it right. included me using that same time to go out and reach as many people as I could to elaborate on the stories or to verify them. Um, and then, and so that, that was, like I said, most of the year. And then we start the, pro the harder process of the publication itself. And now we're down into, you know, this, the, well, the line editors coming up with stuff and the um, indexers being getting involved. Uh, which th that my index I can't imagine a more thankless job than being a line editor. Yeah, well, they get paid well for it. So. <laughs> and indexing is bananas. <laughs> I mean, is. I've done it before. It's bananas. The indexer that they they so I we considered doing it ourselves, and they provided they offered up somebody that to do it. And this indexer, she was breathtakingly expensive. They're professionals that do nothing yeah. but that. But what she did was phenomenal. She so I went to some trouble in here to to call out people who would otherwise not have been even recognized for working on the programs. 
um, scattered them throughout here. And sometimes they're little anecdotes, but throughout. She made a point of, of flagging every single one of them in the index. So now that somebody, this is some friend of mine whose grandkids want to read about their grandfather, could go in and look them up in the index of this book and read about them. That's powerful stuff. It was emotionally, it, it was emotionally um, very rewarding. And in fact, I was telling her about it, and she said, "No, I read the book and I saw that you were trying to celebrate those people. So I was going to make sure every single one of them got indexed." That's that's that was great. It was just really great. So yeah, it's that process is long. Um, then they have to, you know, then they go, th that's another probably six months worth of stuff. And, and there you got to leave it all alone. They want photographs, um, or images that they're using in here. And so I had to go provide those. And I, fortunately in this case, most of them are NASA images. So I didn't have the problem of, you know, getting, trying to get rights from somebody. You're listening to So What's Your Story? And this week we are speaking with author Jack Clemens. Remember, you can listen to So What's Your Story on your iPhone or Android. You can just say, hey, Siri, play So What's Your Story podcast. Give it a shot. It's fun. They're so generous. It, if, if, if you are a writer and you write anything about space, NASA is so generous yeah, with are. all of their material. I was a reporter for a very long time, and anything about space, I'm like, NASA's got something. And they always did it. Always the right resolution. Always they, they know what they're doing at NASA when it comes to sharing the, uh, there's an interesting thing that goes a couple of them I was looking for you know like let, let's make up something Apollo 17 if, if print that I just you know I went to Google and Google it in and I know NASA has it I've seen the picture and it comes up with Getty Images I thought let me just try this it's the same image and of course it's Getty Images so I went in just to see what it would call they were going to charge me 40 bucks for that it's like really guys this is in the public domain you can't do <laughs> yeah. this yeah <laughs> But yeah, so I don't think they have any morals at Getty. <laughs> Getty Images is just they're 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 accumulating all this stuff and then selling it. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people pay it. Um, but not me, not while I have a camera at my house. <laughs> but 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 then the there was a I was featured in a a version of Electronics Magazine back in the day when I was working on the space shuttle, and they were talking about the you know the young engineering teams that are working on these various programs, and I had a picture of there was in fact the best picture I have of me actually doing real work. So it was like, okay, let me see what I can do here. The magazine is no longer in print. Um, so I worked my way backwards to who owns the rights now. There was some company in New York that has it. I sent them a note and said, I'd really like to use this image. And they said, of course, could you send it to us? We can see what it is. I, I said, <laughs> sure. And, it's, and I have the magazine. I keep everything. So I had that original magazine. It's just that it was, you know, I'd had to crop it. to, And so they're... Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, if for a fee of XXX, so you can use it, and, you, and what are you using it for? for? I said, this bio I'm writing about a memoir. Okay, so they put all those words in it, and I got the license to use this picture that I paid for, but now we can use it, you know, any place we want to associated with this book, and the interesting thing is they didn't even know it existed. I had to give it to them. Right. So they got <laughs> money for what they didn't yeah, know they had. Right. <laughs> but I, that was one of those where you're not going to take a chance that yeah. some magazine's going to come after you. Oh, sure. No, um, copyrights are serious business. There was, a, IBM used to put out, when I worked on Space Shuttle down there, they put out these, you know, internal newsletters once a month or something, and they had pictures of folks in it. And they had a set of pictures of us working on a space, uh, me and my team, getting ready for a space shuttle flight on the day of the launch. And we're doing briefings of each other, and we're watching the launch. So, and it's got in it photographs of a lot of people that I've talked about in here that I otherwise don't have pictures of. So, 
again, it wasn't copyright, nothing, but it's, you know, it's IBM, IBM today, I think it was called for Federal Systems Division Houston or something. So I went to IBM, they sent me to the IBM archives, um, same thing, they said, well, what is this again? So I sent them all of them, and they digested it, and then they came back and said, yes, you have our permission, if you just say it's from the IBM archives, you can use it, and you ought to get in touch with all the people that are in those pictures, we're not claiming. Right, that they say it's they, okay. They, yeah, but but we're okay with you using them. So I, I did that. Of course, I, I did get in touch with all those people because they were all shuttle people. There, most of them still around. But yeah, so you, you just it's that same painstaking stuff you do when you're the, doing engineering. You do it for this. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a pain in the butt. It all translates. Oh, we, were, we were talking about that last week. How like you know you just want to make stuff, but there's more to it than that. And it and it's worrisome. I mean, I'd stay awake at nights worrying about that stuff. I'd wake up thinking. You know, I wonder about so-and-so, like the young woman that's on the cover here. I hadn't been able to reach her, and she's now an attorney. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I tried reaching out to her through, fa- listener, through, so. through Facebook a couple of times, uh, but she never responded back. And she was a feminist besides. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, and so I, there, I, it, I got as much of the base material as I could about her that was not in conflict. Nobody would argue about this kind of stuff. Right, uh, sure. And, and that she worked on the Apollo 8 program. She was there a couple, about a year or two ahead of me. She was directly supported Apollo 8's missions. And uh, she later became a feminist act- activist at TRW, let, let her work for the mayor of the city of Houston as his w- women's representative. I mean, th- this is a tremendous story, and I would have loved to make it much, much larger, but she never responded. So I just kind of had a yeah. Right. Sometimes there, back. sometimes there are just moments when you're writing a book uh, that you know that there's a a piece you want to track oh, down, man. but you know you just gotta let it go because you can't make you can't, it materialize. Yeah. And, and, and there and women women play a big role in here because when I worked on Apollo, so through 1974, uh, it was basically all men. There were a couple of women like Poppy Northcutter, Navis, like her that and they didn't have engineering backgrounds. They would, in fact, just like Hidden Figures, they had a math backgrounds. Right. But they had elevated up to that level, and she was getting paid as an engineer, treated as an engineer, and working on these missions. Um, but then that was it. I mean, you found a couple of secretaries, not much. Then literally moved down the street, as I said to IBM, IBM had just won this contract to build all of the onboard software for the space shuttle. So Apollo was kind of this primitive computer where astronauts are trying to see, is is it making a a mistake or not, and I better take over and fly it. The next program up is shuttle, and that is flown entirely by computer. You can't fly it manually in many places. You're not going to do a launch and be grabbing the stick. The the thing is so unstable, it has so much dynamic uh, instability that that correction to those engines has to be going constantly faster than a human could respond. Same thing during reentry. You don't fly a reentry, you know, with your hand on the stick and fly it in. You could flip it over and it would crash. It, it, you have to. So it's all controlled by the, by the software. So now we're on the other side. I wasn't taught programming when I was in college. I was still young at the time when I took this job. I was in my late twenties. Uh, I don't know how to program. But if you saw Hidden Figures, it was like the next generation of that. When I moved over to IBM, the organization was probably three-quarters women. Management, leadership, programming, the whole thing. And they hired a bunch of engineers to come in from the TRW crowd because they realized NASA didn't talk programmers <laughs> and programming didn't talk NASA. So we came in to sort of be in the translators in between. Sure. right? But when I left, I had an organization that worked for me that was – 
the Apollo I mean, the Space Shuttle Software and Test Group. There were about 150, 160 people there in it. And that was probably half to two-thirds women. Uh, and the woman and a woman replaced me in my position when I left. It was it, that transition happened between 1974 and 1984. From you know where, the, where so Poppy here in this case was a would have been a great Poppy Northcutt. I'll say her name again. <laughs> would have been a great example of having more if I had more story about her. But I right. just she just never responded. I did notice on her Facebook page she's using this cover image. Though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Jack, thank you so much for coming in and talking about this with us. You're quite welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.